let's take our Bibles this morning. And Genesis chapter 31. <clears throat> Genesis 31. And we're just going to begin from verse 1. <clears throat> Genesis 31 verse 1. And he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of that which was our father's he hath gotten his glory, all his glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Let's um, commit our time to the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Dear Lord, Mary, Father, we thank you that, Lord, we can be here again this morning, uh, that, Lord, we can gather around your word and, and at most are gathered at home. And we thank you, Lord, that we have the, the technology to be able to stream these services. And, Lord, pray you bless our time uh, gathered around your word now. Lord, I pray that you would uh, empower me through the Spirit this morning, that you give me wisdom and guidance as I speak, that it would be your words, it would be your thoughts this morning. And that, Lord, uh, you would challenge us, you would refresh us, uh, bless us through your word this morning. And may, Lord, you be honored and glorified in everything that we do. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, of course, at the end of chapter 30, we saw Jacob enter into yet another agreement, another contract with Laban. And this time his wages would consist of all that was speckled and spotted amongst the lambs. They would be... Uh, his, they would belong to him, uh, taken from Laban's herd. And this agreement, of course, was made when uh, Joseph was born, or just after Joseph was born. And Jacob would continue to serve Laban in this way for further six years. Uh, just read with me verse 41 uh, of our present chapter. Verse 41, it says, Thus have I been uh, twenty years in thy house. I served thee fourteen years for thy two daughters, and six years for thy cattle. And thou hast changed my wages ten times. And so he <coughs> serves Laban in this way for a further six years. Uh, and the events that are recorded for us now here in chapter 31, they take place at the end of this six-year period. And these six, these six years sorry, have been very profitable for Jacob. You know, Jacob has been blessed by God immensely during these six years. And now he's a very wealthy man. At the end of chapter 30, uh, verse 43, it tells us that. It says, And the man increased exceedingly and had much cattle and maid servants and men servants and camels and asses. And so he went from basically having nothing to now having a, a great amount of wealth. He's been blessed by God materially. Uh, God has changed his circumstances, hasn't he? Okay, in the space of six years, God has drastically changed his circumstances, God has changed things so that he now is wondrously blessed materially, uh, whereas he wasn't before. And so Jacob has now spent a total of 20 years serving Laban, and it's finally time for him to leave. It's finally time for him to, to go home, back to Canaan, and to take his place as the heir of the promises. And so this morning we see the events that lead to Jacob now leaving and leading his family back home to Canaan. First of all, here this morning, we see God's direction. We see God's direction uh, in verses 1 to 3. We'll just read it again. 
<clears throat> says, and he, and he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's. And of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers, and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. Now from verse 1, it's immediately clear that there is contention uh, developing over these last six years in the extended family. Okay, we read there of Laban's sons, it says, and, I, and he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. So this contention that's developing in the extended family. You now Laban's sons are becoming increasingly envious and bitter towards Jacob. Now over the past six years, they've seen Jacob's flock growing stronger and healthier and larger, while their father's flock is growing weaker and smaller and, you know, it's diminishing. Now chapter 30, we saw the reason for that. Chapter 30, verse 41. <clears throat> Let's just read it. Now, chapter 30, verse 41, it says, And it came to pass, when the stronger cattle did conceive, that Jacob laid the rods before the eyes of the cattle in the gutters, that they might conceive among the rods. But when the cattle were feeble, he put them not in. So the feeble were Laban's and the stronger Jacob's. We talked about this last Sunday. Now, Jacob was just being a good farmer, taking care of the flock and making sure that the, you know, selectively breeding the stronger. And God, in his providence, made it so that the stronger were his and the weaker were Laban's. And, you know, Laban's sons, they've witnessed this taking place, haven't they? Over the six years, they've been looking over and they've seen what is happening. And more and more, they're filled with this bitterness towards Jacob. And it comes out here in verse 1 as we, we learn that they're basically falsely accusing him of stealing their father's flock. I mean, it says there at the start of verse 1, and he heard the words of Laban's sons, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's. Basically accusing him of uh, stealing what belonged to their father. Now they believe that Jacob must have done something. There must have been some underhanded tactic here. He must have acted dishonestly to have gotten all of this gain. How could such a good deal have gone so incredibly wrong? You know, Morris writes this, what had seemed like an extremely good contract at the time they made it had taken a most surprising and distressing turn. Jacob had kept his part of the bargain faithfully, but somehow his flock was prospering and theirs was suffering. You know, they couldn't understand how this had taken place. They couldn't understand it. It didn't make sense to them, and so it filled them with envy that he was now rich and, and they were seemingly becoming poorer. You know, to them... He had gotten rich off their father. That's what it says at the end of verse 1 there. That which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. Now they, they, they look at him and say he's got, he's got all of his glory, all of his wealth from our father. You know, what he now owns, they believe should have been rightfully theirs. You know, it was their inheritance, wasn't it? It was their inheritance that was dwindling away before their eyes. As Jacob became richer and Laban became poorer. But it wasn't just Laban's sons who were upset, was it? Laban himself is also upset. Verse 2 it says, And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. Verse 2 it tells us that Laban, his countenance has changed, his attitude has changed towards 
Jacob as well. And Jacob, he's noticed this change in Laban over these six years. Now, before this, Laban had pleaded with him not to leave. You know, Laban had been desperate to hold on to Jacob, to keep him there, because he knew that with Jacob being there, he was prospering. You know, that he knew that God was blessing him because of Jacob. We saw that last week, chapter 30, uh, verse 27. It says, And Laban said unto him, I pray thee, if I found favor in thine eyes, tarry. For I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. And he said, Appoint me thy wages, and I will give it. We talked about last week, but he, he had seen over those 14 years, he'd witnessed how much he had prospered. His herd had grown, his wealth had grown under the, the, the stewardship of Jacob. He'd seen that. He'd known that God's hand was upon him, blessing him because of Jacob. And so at the start of these six years, he couldn't stand the thought of losing Jacob, could he? He wanted to hold on to him at any cost. But now, his countenance has changed. Little by little, Laban's countenance has changed. His attitude has changed. And it's becoming increasingly clear to, to Jacob that Laban would be glad to see the back of him. Glad to see him gone. But knowing Laban, he would do everything he could to stop Jacob taking the flocks with him, the herds that he had gained with him, he had earned. Morris notes this, Laban now would have been glad for Jacob to leave, but how could he annul his agreement with Jacob? Also, more importantly, how could he prevent his taking the flocks he had acquired? These were developments he had not foreseen. Now, Morris points out this is what would have been running through Laban's mind. Now, how can, I, how can I get out of this agreement with Jacob, but how can I also keep all of the flocks for myself? You know, this was a, a, a development that Laban had not foreseen. You know, when he made this agreement, when he agreed to this deal, he thought he was effectively getting more free service, didn't he? You know, he thought, you know, that Jacob would get little or nothing out of this agreement. But things had taken a turn against him, and so now, like his sons... Laban is filled with bitterness towards Jacob because of what's happened. You know, what I find interesting here is that through all this, you know, Jacob, he is aware of how they feel towards him, isn't he? Okay, in verse 1, it tells us that he becomes aware. He learns of what um, his brother-in-laws are feeling. He hears what they've been saying. Verse 2, it tells us that he notices the change in Laban's countenance. But even though he... He knew this, okay? even though he knew they were bitter against him, even though he knew they were spreading these lies and they were no doubt conspiring to get rid of him, we noticed that Jacob, he just continued to faithfully serve, didn't he? All through those six years, he, he just continued to faithfully honor the contract, didn't he? He made an agreement with Laban and he's faithful to that contract. He honors that agreement, caring for Laban's herd. You know, these things no doubt unsettled him, didn't they? You know, these, these are unpleasant things. It unsettled him, and it probably made him long even more for Canaan to return home. But he, hadn't made, he had made an agreement, and he continues to honor that contract for these six years. You see, what this contention did do, however, was prepare him to obey when God led. It prepared him to be ready to leave and obey the leading of the Lord, which arrives in verse 3. In verse 3, it says, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I'll be with thee. 
It prepared him for this moment, didn't it? It unsettled him, made him ready to receive this instruction from the Lord. And, and God now in his perfect timing, at the end of the six years, God in his perfect timing arrives and he says, Jacob, all right, now it's time to leave. It's time for you to pack up your family and all your herds and to go and return to Canaan. You see, the bitter feelings towards him had unsettled him and prepared him for this moment. Now, the commentator Wearsby notes this. He says, you know, when God wants to move us, he occasionally makes us uncomfortable and stirs up its nest. You know, sometimes that's what God does. He unsettles us. He stirs up the nest. He makes us ready to leave, ready to move. And indeed, these uncomfortable circumstances prepared Jacob to move, didn't they? Prepared him to move at God's direction. But he didn't move until there was direction, did he? You know, it unsettled him, it made him ready to move, but he didn't move until God gave him direction. It's really interesting, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing. He doesn't move until God gives him the direction. It's only then with God's direction that he moves because now he has the assurance that he's acting according to God's will and that God will be with him. I mean, in verse 3, it says, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. You see, now he has the assurance, doesn't he? Okay, this is God's will. This is probably what he's been longing for. We know he's been longing to leave. Okay, he's been longing for this, but now God says, all right, it's time to go. And I will be with you. He has the assurance, doesn't he? I'm walking in God's will. God will be with me. You see, Jacob is an example of how we all need to wait for the leading of the Lord, isn't he? He's an example of waiting for the leading of the Lord in our own lives. You know, sometimes the circumstances that we're in may be uncomfortable. And that may be the Lord unsettling us, preparing us to move. But we still have to wait for God to lead us, don't we? We still have to wait for the Lord to lead us through the Spirit and through His Holy Word to make that move. We have to wait upon the Lord. You know, today it's Father's Day, and it's especially true that as fathers, like Jacob, he's the head of his home. It's especially true that as fathers, leaders of the home, that we lead our families in this way, waiting for the direction of the Lord, seeking to follow his leading, not just rushing ahead of God, making decisions on feelings and circumstances. And we've seen the problems that come when we do that earlier in the book of Genesis, haven't we? We need to wait for the leading of the Lord. You know, Psalm 23, we know the psalm well. The Lord is our shepherd. Verse 3 talks about the fact that he leads us in the paths of righteousness. You know, with God as our shepherd leading us, he will lead us in paths of righteousness if we will follow him. Won't he? That's his promise. He's our shepherd and he'll lead us in the paths of righteousness if we are willing to follow. As fathers, as husbands, it's our responsibility to take the lead in the home in this matter. It's our responsibility, all of us, of course, but today particularly, as fathers, as husbands, it's our responsibility to take the lead in the home, to take the lead in this matter and lead our families in seeking to do the will of God, seeking to move at his direction. And we see Jacob now does just that. After he hears the instruction of the Lord, the direction from the Lord to leave, what does Jacob do? He goes and now prepares his family to obey, doesn't he? prepares his family to obey. And so we see secondly here, the family prepared. The family prepared. Look in verse 4. 
It says, And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field under his flock. And he said unto them, I see your father's countenance, that he is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. And you know that with all my power I have served your father. And your father does have to seize me and change my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, the ringstract shall be thy hire, then, all, then bear all the cattle ringstract. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and hath given them to me. <clears throat> You see now Jacob prepares his family, prepares his family to follow the will of the Lord. He's, he's been given clear direction from God. He knows it's time to leave, to pack up his family, to return to Canaan. And so with that in mind, he makes the necessary preparations. And the very first thing he does is he goes and discusses it with his wives. He goes and discusses it with his wives. He discusses the, the situation with them and God's commandments. God's command to them, with them. Look in verse 4. It says, And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock. So the very first thing he does, he calls for Rachel and Leah to come and meet with him in the field. Now most likely the reason he asks them to come to the field is so they could have this conversation in private, you know, in secret, away from listening ears. He doesn't want this getting back to Laban. And so he's doing it out in the field, away from listening ears. Now, Morris notes this. He says, knowing that he would not be allowed by Laban to leave openly with his flocks and family, Jacob realized he would have to leave unannounced. He knew that Laban would, if he could, take all his possessions from him before he would allow him to leave. Jacob knew that Laban was going to do everything he could to stop him leaving with everything. Verse 42 tells us that this is exactly how he felt. Verse 42, it says, Except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac hath been with me, surely thou hast sent me away now empty. God hath seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. You know, Jacob, this is exactly how he felt. He felt that if he didn't leave now, he was going to leave with nothing. And if he didn't leave secretly, Laban was going to try and stop him. I mean, he's trusting in God, but he feels he's got to do it in secret to get away from Laban with what he has earned, with what God has blessed him with. And so he feels it's got to be done quickly and secretly. So he calls them to meet with him in the field. Once they arrive, Jacob begins by explaining to them the situation. And he, he sums it up really in verse 5. He sums up the whole situation to them. He says, and he said unto them, <clears throat> I see your father's countenance that is not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. Verse 5 really sums up the whole situation. He says to them, he says, your father's countenance is not towards me as it was before. His attitude has changed. He's treating me terribly, but God has been with me. That's, it sums it up. He says, this is what Laban's been doing. This is what Laban is doing, but God has been with me. God is protecting. God is blessing us. And so he's given this summary, if you like, of what God is doing of what's taking place. But then in verses 6 to 9 and onwards, he then expands upon this statement. Okay, expands upon it, and he tells his wives exactly what it is that Laban has done and exactly what it is that God has done to counteract those actions. Okay, look in verse 6 with me. With 
your father. And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, the ringstrack shall be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ringstracked. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and hath given them to me. <clears throat> In verse 6 to 9 here, he basically expands upon it, doesn't he? And he tells his wives exactly what Laban has been doing and exactly what God has been doing to counteract that. And so here in these verses, we learn of Laban's deceptive and underhanded treatment of Jacob over the past six years. Okay? We sort of gather that something's been going on, but now we actually get an insight. We actually find out what has been taking place. You see, the original agreement made back in chapter 30 was that all of the spotted, all of the speckled lambs would belong to Jacob. Okay, let's just go and read it. Verse 32, <clears throat> just to refresh our minds from last week. Chapter 30, verse 32, it says, And I will pass uh, through all the flock today, remove from thence all the speckled and spotted cattle, and all the brown cattle among the sheep, and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and of such shall be my hire. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come, when it shall come for my hire before thy face, every one that is not speckled and spotted among the goats, and brown among the sheep, that shall be counted stolen with me. So this was the agreement, okay, that any that were born from that point on, that were speckled and spotted, they would belong to him. That was the original agreement. But here we learn that Laban's not stuck to that agreement, has he? Laban's not kept that agreement, but rather he has constantly changed Jacob's wages. Verse 7, it says, And your father hath deceived me and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. And he tells us how he changed them. It says in verse 8, If he said thus, The speckled shall be thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, The ringstrack shall be thy height, then bear all the cattle ringstracked. This is what Laban has done. Laban, when he saw that the agreement was not going his way, you know, basically, you know, you can see that after the first lambing season, maybe the second one, he started to realize this is not going in my favor. And so he starts to make changes hoping to reduce Jacob's portion of the lambs and increase his own. And so he says, as we saw there in verse 8, he basically says, all right, next lambing season, you can only have the spotted lambs. And what happens? God makes sure that they're all spotted. And so then he goes, no, next lambing season, you can only have the ringstracked. And what happens? They're all ringstracked or striped. And basically, he keeps changing it thinking he's going to get the upper hand, and every single time, God overcomes, doesn't he? doesn't matter what Laban does, Jacob comes out on top because of God. And Jacob gives God the glory, he doesn't he? Look in verse 7. It says, And your father hath deceived and changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. And then in verse 9, he says, Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. Jacob honors God here, doesn't he? He gives glory to God. He says, Laban's tried to do this. He's constantly tried to get the upper hand. He's constantly deceived. He's constantly done wrong by me. But God has blessed me. God has overcome that evil with good. Jacob acknowledges that it's God who caused him to prosper. And then in verses 10 to 12, he recalls for his wives what it is that he was trusting in through all these years, the dream. Verse 10. It says, and it came to pass, 
at the time the cattle conceived, that I lifted up my eyes and God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob. And I said, Here am I. And he said, Lift up now thine eyes and see. All the rams which leap upon the cattle are ringstracked, speckled and grizzled. For I have seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. He reveals to them the dream. This revelation that he had trusted in through all these years. And we, we saw it last week. We talked about this dream. And basically what God has revealed to him here is that the rams leaping upon the ewes were speckled and spotted. Basically, God says, don't worry, Jacob. The lambs are going to be yours. I'm making sure of it. I'm taking care of it. God had given Jacob this assurance. And so it didn't matter what Laban did. It didn't matter what Laban did because God was in control. And that's what Jacob is acknowledging here, isn't it? He's acknowledging that to his wives. He's saying, listen, God has been in control. God has done all this. He's testifying here to his wives of God's goodness, God's greatness, his love towards them. Now, as he recalls this dream, he is testifying before his wives that it was all of God. Jacob is under no illusion that he accomplished anything, is he? He doesn't, he doesn't think he did anything. He gives all credit, all glory to God. He leads his wives in acknowledging the hand of God upon their lives. You know, Jacob's part <clears throat> through all these years, <clears throat> excuse me, through all these years was simply to faithfully serve, wasn't it? And that's what he says in verse 6. He says, and you know that with all my power I have served your father. <clears throat> excuse me he says with all my power in other words <clears throat> to the best of my ability he says to his wives through all these years to the best of my ability I served your father I served him faithfully and God blessed now considering how terribly Jacob was treated by Laban <clears throat> throughout all those years not just the last six but the 20 years Jacob's Faithful service and his testimony is remarkable, isn't it? I don't know why Jacob gets such a bad rap all the time. When you, when you really look at the story, you understand what's happening. His faithful service and his testimony here is remarkable. You know, Laban had been deceptive and sought to trample over him every single step of the way. But we don't read anywhere here of Jacob getting angry. We don't read of Jacob seeking to get even. We don't read of Jacob arguing with Laban about his rights, about what was rightfully his and what rightly belonged to him, demanding his rights. Instead, what we see from Jacob all the way through is what? Meekness. We see a spirit of meekness, power under control. You see, he had every right to be upset, and yet he humbly, meekly surrendered his rights and trusted in God, didn't he? That's the point here, isn't it? The whole way through, he's being wronged. His rights are being trampled all over, but what does he do? He looks to the Lord and says, all right, God, you're in control, and he just keeps faithfully serving. He yielded himself to the will of God, and he trusted God to take care of the situation. And you know, because Jacob had done this, now at the end of these years, he was able to look back and he was able to declare boldly what God had done. 
before him. He could look back at these last six years and testify of the goodness of God, the power of God to overcome evil with good. What a testimony he's got to his wives here. And they could see that his life backed it up, couldn't they? They could see that he had faithfully served with a good attitude the whole time and that God had blessed. And beloved, meekness is something we all as believers need to learn, isn't it? You know, Matthew 5, verse 5, Christ tells us, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. In Galatians 5, meekness is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Meekness is a characteristic of our Savior that is to be found in us as believers. You see, like Jacob, we are going to be mistreated by men. That's a fact. It's going to happen. We will at times feel like our rights are being trampled all over. And the fleshly response when that happens is to get upset, is to demand our rights, and to seek to get even, isn't it? That's the fleshly response. But God's word tells us to do the very opposite. We are instead to respond with meekness, humility, committing these concerns to the Lord, and then continue to faithfully serve him. That's where our focus is meant to be. That's where our concern is meant to be on serving him and being faithful. That's what the, what the law requires of us, faithfulness. Now, 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. That's what God requires of us. Now, as stewards of the gospel, the Lord wants us to be faithful. Faithfulness. You see, like Jacob, we must daily put our trust in the word of God, trust in his promises that he's made to us, trusting his loving care, and instead put our focus on faithfully serving him, laboring for him here on earth, laboring for the gospel, and leave everything else in his hands. Stop worrying about those concerns. He will bless, he will give the increase, we have to faithfully serve. Whether that's in our our job or whether it's in our ministry, we have to faithfully labor for him, for the glory of God. You see, Jacob learnt that, didn't he? Jacob had learnt that. He'd learnt to do this and, and God blessed him abundantly because of this. And now he has the joy of testifying of God's goodness under his family. And it's now in verse 13, after he's done all this, it's only now that we see him tell his wives of God's direction unto them. Verse 13 says, he goes on, he says, I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me, now arise, get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. He goes on and tells them about how also in a dream God had told him to leave. It's after he's pointed them to see the goodness of God. It's after he'd told them about all this, he now says, and God now has told us it's time to leave. See, Jacob wanted to make sure they understood that this was God's leading. This wasn't his decision. This wasn't him making a decision. This was God's leading for their lives. God's direction to him, God's direction to them as a family. And the point is, he was surrendered. He was willing to obey. The question is, how will they now respond to the will of God? And that's our third point. We see now the family agreed. The family Agreed. Look in verse 14. 
It says, And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not counted of him strangers? <clears throat> for he hath sold us, and hath quite devoured, sorry, quite devoured our, also our money. For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours, and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. <clears throat> Here we see the response of Rachel and Leah. They've listened to Jacob's testimony. They've heard him as he's declared what God has done. And they've also seen with their own eyes Jacob's faithfulness, haven't they? They've seen his faithful service. They've seen his attitude through all these years. And they've seen their father's treachery. And with all this in mind, they now respond here with agreement. They agree with their husband. They agree to follow their husband. In verse 14 and 15, we, we see revealed how Rachel and Leah felt towards their father. <clears throat> it says, And Rachel and Leah answered and said unto him, Is there yet any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not, <clears throat> sorry, are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us and hath quite devoured also our money. We see how they felt towards their father. They, they felt there was nothing left for them here in Haran. Nothing left for them. There was no portion. There was no inheritance for them in their father's house. In other words, they knew from Laban's attitude towards them that they were never going to receive anything. They weren't going to get anything from their father. And indeed, in verse 15, they declare that they felt they were treated like strangers, like servants being sold unto Jacob. The commentator Gill writes this, had he not, <clears throat> sorry, he had not treated them as children, nor even as freeborn persons, but as if they were foreigners that he had taken in war or bought of others, or at least that they were born bondmaids in his house, and so had a right to sell them as he did. He really had treated them terribly. You see, when his daughters were married to Jacob, when given to Jacob in marriage, he effectively sold them to Jacob for 14 years of service. But normally a father would give to his daughters their dowries, wouldn't he? Okay, he'd give them their portion of the dowry. But they got nothing. They received nothing from Laban. Gilligan writes this, That which he got by the servitude of Jacob, instead of giving it to them as their portion, he spent it on himself and his sons, and there was nothing left for them. That's what he'd done. He'd gone and spent it all on themselves. That's what it says there in verse 15. Are we not counted of him strangers? For he hath sold us and hath devoured also our money. He'd spent it all. He didn't give anything to them. You see, this is how terrible Laban had treated his own daughters. You know, by contrast, Jacob had labored 14 years so that he might marry them. You know, showing clearly his love, particularly for Rachel, but also for Leah. His love and concern and care for them. Is it any wonder that they now side with Jacob? and not with Laban, it's pretty obvious why. You know, they'd seen their father's wicked treatment of them, and they could see God in his love had vindicated them. And that's verse 16. It says, For all the riches which God hath taken from our father, that is ours and our children's. Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. <clears throat> they saw the justice of God in what had taken place. You know, Laban had treated them all wickedly, not just Jacob. He treated Rachel and Leah wickedly as well. But God had graciously taken from Laban all these things and given them unto them. 
God had indeed overcome the evil of their father. And they acknowledged that. They could see that themselves. And having acknowledged that, Rachel and Leah agreed to follow Jacob, don't they? The end of verse 16 there <clears throat> says, Now then, whatsoever God hath said unto thee, do. They're surrendered to God's will, aren't they? They've listened to Jacob and everything he said to them, and now they've agreed with him and they say, we're with you. Whatever, you, whatever God's told you to do, do it, we'll follow you. You see, this is a wonderful example of a husband being the leader within the home and the wife submitting to that leadership. In Jacob's case, wives. But it's, it's a wonderful example, isn't it? Of that unity that should exist within the home. Jacob, he led by example, didn't he? He led by example. He led by his attitude as he labored for Laban all those years with a good attitude. He led spiritually as he directed his wives to see as he had the goodness of God in their lives. And he led spiritually declaring his desire to follow God's will. And Rachel and Leah submitted and followed his lead. You know, may we as fathers, as husbands today, likewise lead by example in the home. Lead by our attitude. Faithfully serving the Lord. That's where our focus is to be. Faithfully serving the Lord with meekness. Seeking to do all to the glory of God. And may we lead our family spiritually by pointing them to see the goodness of God in everything that takes place. And may we lead our family spiritually by seeking to do the will of God. Seeking to lead our family in God's will for their lives. May we, we learn to do this as fathers, as husbands today. Let's close in a word of prayer. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the example of Jacob today. And indeed, also Rachel and Leah. Lord, this unity that was there in the family. But Lord, we see a godly father, a godly husband, taking the lead. Uh, Lord, uh, leading by example with his attitude as he served Laban in all those years. Leading, Lord, and directing his family to see your goodness. Leading his family in seeking to do your will. Lord, may you help us all to seek to do your will in our lives. May we as fathers in particular take the lead in the home, lead by example every day, and Lord, seek uh, to be spiritual godly leaders, we pray in Jesus' name.